This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. This week is going to be a little bit different. Normally on Tuesdays, we cover AI use cases. On Thursdays, we cover making the business case, and that has to do with selling AI, deploying AI, AI ROI, basically the actual interactions that have to happen to make a use case go down within an enterprise company. This week we're doing three use cases, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three in one week, and then we're going to have our Making the Business Case on Thursday, this Thursday episode I'm very excited for. I wanted to do this because we've done two a week for a little while now. People certainly have liked it, and now I'm wondering, well, might it make sense to pack in more use cases, give people something to listen to every day? So let me know what you think about this format, but we're going to go ahead and fly in. This is our Monday episode, which is unusual, but something I wanted to do for our listeners this week. This week, we have on Naeem Islam. He's the CEO of a company called Blue Hexagon. Blue Hexagon focuses on cybersecurity deployments, and this week we're focusing on AI applications of cybersecurity in retail. Blue Hexagon has raised $37 million. They're based in the Bay Area. They have some impressive clients, and Naeem breaks down sort of what are the unique cybersec considerations for retail companies and where does artificial intelligence fit into the mix. Again, when it comes to use cases, we like variety, and this is certainly a different one than we've had on our previous cybersecurity threads in, let's say, healthcare or financial services. We've never done anything in retail specifically. If you haven't already downloaded it, I should mention it already, be sure to download our AI and retail cheat sheet. We have a breakdown of some of the key terminology and the basic use cases for artificial intelligence and retail. You can go to emerj.com slash ret1. That's R-E-T as in retail. R-E-T and then the number one, emerj.com slash R-E-T-1 and download our AI use cases in retail cheat sheet. So go ahead and download that. But without further ado, we're going to fly in. This is our first of three use case episodes this week, and I'm excited to hop right into it. Naeem Islam with Blue Hexagon here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Naeem, we'll sort of hop right in and just talk about the current state of affairs when it comes to AI's use cases in cybersecurity in the retail world. Where is it being adopted now? What are the current areas of traction from how you see things? Right. AI is a very important technology for retailers right now, and its use is actually fairly broad. Um, I would say people use that for customizing preferences, doing recommendations on websites, for example. But it also has a very strong use in cybersecurity as well, all the way from fraud detection to uh, detecting malware coming into enterprises and and attacking retailers. So we're actually seeing a very broad use of uh, AI in, um, in retailers. Now, what's interesting about retailers as opposed to other industries is that they have very generic use cases as well as use cases in cybersecurity. So they're like uh, one of the big innovators in this area, or at least adopters of AI technologies. Certainly, yeah, I, I, I could double for that, certainly on the on the e-commerce side. I don't know if Macy's is that much faster than City, but Amazon sure as heck is. Wayfair sure as heck is. Um, and you had brought up something really interesting. I think a lot of the folks listening in are well aware of AI for personalization. I think they're well aware of AI for fraud, which is obviously very important. I think less people are aware of AI for cybersecurity in retail. Is that part of the AI mix in retail somewhat similar as it is to detecting malware in any other sector? Or is there anything specific there? Well, I think you do see targeted attacks in uh, cybersecurity happening for a specific uh, sort of vertical. So uh, mm-hmm. retail has its own challenges and use cases because it's, uh, you know, payments are a very critical part of that infrastructure. Yeah. So uh, malware that's actually targeted towards um, accessing payment data 
uh, is is very very uh, common, and that's one of the things that AI can really help with is sort of anticipate the types of malware that might go after payments and and really detect those and prevent those attacks from happening. So that's a very interesting use case uh, for AI as it appears in the sort of the retail sector. Cool. Okay, got it. So yeah, maybe we can talk about some of these, I guess, threat and security related applications within retail. Fraud, as you'd mentioned, is so important. You know, you look at a, a player again. We'll use Macy's and Amazon as representative examples, but there's a lot of credit card transactions going on there. There's a lot of online purchases. There's obviously a lot of potential for fraud to happen. Um, what are the big risks that sort of retail players really need to be aware of and, and have to sort of leverage AI potentially to detect? What are those kind of common use cases where AI really comes in most handy, in your opinion? Well, I think um, we've talked about fraud, but malware is actually one of the largest attack vectors that we see. Because once you're able to get something or a, an agent that can act on your behalf inside an organization, you can do all kinds of things. You can steal essentially whatever you want, payment information, private information related to individuals. So it's a very, very broad threat vector that uh, the retail industry is, is beginning to pay a lot of attention to. Now, Another interesting thing that's happening in the retail sector is that people, uh, these uh, enterprises are moving to the cloud and you're going to yeah. see the similar attacks happen, not just in their private data centers, but also in the public cloud. And um, so this is becoming a very important area. And AI technologies that you deploy need to be deployed both in private data centers and in the public cloud where a lot of their infrastructure is going to reside. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of a new concern for companies that are making that migration is now they need a security sort of approach that's going to be able to follow them there. Correct. And they have to have the same, ideally, they want the same visibility in their private and public data centers so that they can reason about their security easily. And that's a, that's a really important uh, feature for any product to have in this evolving landscape. And since AI is so effective in detecting malware, you want to have the same controls in your private and your public cloud. So that's a sort of a very important thing to consider for retailers. Got it. And, and so you folks operate in a, in a number of different sectors, you know, financial services, health, retail. When you think about the kinds of malware, the kinds of hacks, the kinds of activity that we need to detect with AI and, and with CyberSec software within retail, uh, you mentioned, you know, the ability to steal credit card information, et cetera, et cetera. What are those things we're looking out for? So I think people listening in might imagine, okay, we're looking for some kind of an actor on our system from some foreign IP address or who's behaving and opening and closing files in some strange way that our normal users don't do. And so we're looking for anomalies and sort of users within the network, let's say, but it's obviously deeper than that. What are the things we're looking out for in retail? Right. I think there are several big vectors through which uh, enterprises and retail get attacked. One is email. So if you're a, a retail employee, you could be privy to a, a phishing attack yeah. or someone could actually embed malware in email and directly send it to you. And uh, it could have something that is very familiar to you, a document, for example, but inside the document would be embedded malware. And we're seeing a lot of that. So people get fooled into clicking on links and documents that they really think are safe, but they're really not. That's actually one of the primary vectors that we see in how these attacks take place. The other is going to websites that appear legitimate, but are actually not. And then you end up sort of unknowingly downloading malware from these websites. So these are two big vectors from which you can get attacked. But I do think that where the industry is moving is, is towards early detection and prevention. Because if you've already been um, sort of breached and you're looking 
for the breach after the fact, you're going to sustain a lot of damages. So the industry is really going towards early detection and prevention. And that's, I think, where AI can really help because it can actually examine these documents and email and the traffic and prevent these attacks from happening in the first place. And that's where we need to go. That's where the, where the entire industry needs to go and retail in particular. Got it. So um, we can dive a little bit deeper into this. And I appreciate you teeing up sort of where you see the, the highest levels of import here. And you're also talking about common ways that these breaches begin with links and with fake websites and with documents that are laced with malware in some way, shape, or form. What is the process for detecting that? I think, again, some folks listening in might say, all right, well, malware emails across different enterprises kind of sometimes look the same in terms of the scripts that are used, the kinds of calls to action that are stated, the kinds of IP addresses or sort of subdomains from which the emails are being sent, and we can kind of detect and flag those, make sure they never get to users, or make sure they get to users with a big fat warning. But that's just a supposition. When you talk about how to actually make prevention happen, where does AI fit in uh, and what does that look like? So I think this is a really important question because what, what we've seen in the past is the traditional defenses that people have used are based on something called signatures, where you actually know the attack, or sandboxes, where you actually play out the attack to figure out what's going to happen. And that can take a very long time to figure out you know, what the attack is actually going to do. With real-time AI, what you're able to do is predict just by inspecting malware or a document really, really fast, whether it's malware or not. And I think the industry is slowly moving towards really fast applications uh, of AI to inspect documents and links rather than the traditional approaches, which use something called sandboxes, which can take days to render a verdict on something. And you certainly don't want your email or your links held up for days uh, before you can actually access a, a website yeah. or look at your email. And that's kind of the state of the art today. And, and in fact, what happens is when an enterprise feels like they're under attack, they do delay a lot of information delivery yeah. into their organization. Huh. And, and obviously that's going to gunk up the works in every department and every mode of communication, hypothetically, across you know teams, et cetera. I guess that's a, a kind of damage into itself, right? If we have to wait two days before we can reply. Exactly. So what people really do today is that they inspect for a short amount of time and then they let the document or the link go through. And that's why you see all these breaches, because there's no good technique to really make a, a render a verdict quickly to determine if something is good or bad. And yeah. AI is playing a critical role in rendering verdicts really quickly and whether something is good or bad. That's the big sort of leap I see. And there's a new type of AI called deep learning yep. that is what is used in computer vision and speech. We're seeing the first applications of that in cybersecurity, and we're seeing the first implementations of real-time deep learning, which means that you can inspect a document and get a verdict in a few milliseconds, and then let it just go through, which is very useful for an organization, rather than having it wait for days to figure out whether it's good or bad. That is a big transition we're yeah. seeing, and in my view, that's a big leap forward for the industry. Yeah, I mean, the value proposition, just as you've articulated, is kind of unquestionably good. Obviously, the problem is quite hard to solve, maybe harder for some businesses and some industries than others. When you, you mention here how deep learning is part of the mix now and sort of, I, I like your term, rendering a verdict. I, I Here in the States, I, I hear very, very little of... Uh, of that kind of terminology being used, sort of a judgment or fraud versus not fraud or whatever, but I like I like render a verdict. You talk about how deep learning can get that done as an email is coming in. Does that look like 
a system that can actually sort of click that message and sort of see what pops up and crawl that code and programmatically make a determination as to whether that code has some invasive intent in some way, shape, or form? What is what is deep learning look like at that point of entry when that email with that document comes in? Right. Now, this is a very interesting, the, the revolution of deep learning is this, that in traditional machine learning, it was very feature-based, which means that whoever is designing the system gives you hints about what to look for, yes, like yes, in Mouser. Yes. Yep. You actually have to tell the system, hey, look for the fact that it's looking at registries or files. Deep learning is very, very different, and it's very effective in that it learns by itself what to look for. You just say good and bad, give it enough samples, and it yep. learns by itself what to look for. And it's become highly effective in computer vision. And we're beginning to see similar things with malware where the deep learning system figures out by itself what's good or bad. So it's, it, in essence, uh, some of the, de- the decisions it renders are, you know, looks deep into the code of the system to figure out whether it's accessing the file system and whether it's sending it out, but without yeah. human giving any hints. That's yeah. the very big thing. Got it. It's yeah. a self yep. system. Yeah, other, humans giving it hints other than, I guess, previously labeled instances of email and or ongoing training of, was this a proper call? Was this not a proper call, et cetera? Being able to kind of train it, Correct. but like you said, not manually determine the action, not manually label each instance, just say fraud versus not fraud. Now, you know, when we talk about the features that are being pulled in, obviously, as you mentioned, we're not talking about defining them necessarily. Now, there might still be some of that, right? Like if it comes from Romania and it has, you know, over $17 signs in the email, like get rid of it, right? There's some things like that that are, I don't know, maybe we can keep them hard coded and that's fine. But what you're talking about is a system that more or less we you know, we can be told when it's fraud and when it's not fraud, and the system can pick up on patterns that maybe humans could not. What are those, you know, features? Could it literally be anything from, you know, the sender, the time of day, what the code uh, sort of looks like, what language it's written in, what what we presume the code is going to do? Now, what the code is going to do, I don't think a deep learning system could probably discern. What are the features it drinks in, even if humans don't label them? Yeah, I think all of the things you mentioned are part of the system. I'll tell you one very interesting intuition about malware that we've sort of gleaned over the years is that if you look at the attack surface, and I'm being very fundamental here, you have a CPU, you have an operating system with APIs. The intuition behind deep learning is that all the different sort of combinations that you could use to attack the system is really not infinite. They'll find that number of APIs and instruction of the CPU, but it's very large. So if you give it enough samples of good and bad, it can really figure out all the different combinations of, that are bad and then predict essentially the bad types of malware or bad types of applications that will be unleashed against uh, you know, your standards, Windows or Mac OS system. Yeah. And th- that is very, 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 very powerful. And, and, and you know, what's really interesting about you know, the way deep learning has evolved over the last few years is it has to crunch through massive amounts of data. We have that available right now, but we also have really inexpensive cloud GPUs that can crunch through this data in hours rather than months. And that's also very important. Yeah. So there's been a revolution around this that's enabling all of this to happen. Big time. And I, I think it's sort of tough for anybody to make the argument that AI is not an inevitable part of cybersec in any domain, any vertical. It's really interesting to sort of ponder what is this going to force the uh, 
you know, the bad actors, for lack of better terms, to do on their side. And, and that's probably its own separate discussion. But maybe we'll get into it in our second question here, where we can talk a bit about the future. You're articulating a pretty important shift in the dynamic. You're talking about the leveraging of deep learning, which clearly is, is important for your approach and seems to just have merits in general in CyberSec. When you look ahead five years and you get a sense of how the nature of cybersecurity in retail will change, you know, if I'm a listener and I'm at walmart.com, if I'm a listener, and I'm working at Wayfair. And I'm trying to think about how is the security environment going to be a different world three, five years from now? I'm not asking you to have a crystal ball, but what are the kinds of shifts in reality that you think are likely to happen uh, in that space related to AI? So this is actually a very important question. If you look at the way you know we see the, the world is that we're beginning to see the beginnings of massively automated attacks. Uh, for specific industries. For example, Google has this big website called VirusTotal where we're seeing something like a million new malware a day that's never been seen before. Yeah, That's malware on a scale that current systems just cannot handle. I think that's going to get worse and worse and worse because malware and threat generation is going to be completely automated. Now, the automation that we're using to defend ourselves will end up also by being used by the attackers. But we're staying a step ahead by developing this overall understanding on how attacks are going to sort of evolve over time. So I see a proliferation of many, many kinds of automated techniques for generating attacks. We're at the beginning of that, but we need sophisticated techniques like neural nets and deep learning to defend because that's what it's going to be. My view of the future is it's neural nets fighting neural nets. Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to get around it, right? I mean, I think the analogy of the trading markets where everybody's got a bot that's responding to somebody else's trading bot, et cetera, it's sort of that analogy. And then that arms race, so to speak, I guess is is somewhat inevitable here. That makes for kind of a kind of a scary future to some degree, because it feels like it's only going to be moving faster and faster. What are the good guys going to have to do to make sure their nets win? You know, you guys are building a company around this value prop. Obviously, you're trying to, you know, run ahead of the folks that are creating a million new malware per day. What what are you going to have to do and, and players like yourself going to have to do to stay ahead of the herd? I think this is a very important question. So I think for the first time, perhaps, there are mathematical models for how we perceive the attacker to be. And in the old days with signatures and sandbox, it was pretty much ad hoc. But we do have a much better understanding on how the attackers are going to model themselves. And the real question is, we we have to constantly model them and ourselves and make sure that we always stay ahead. At least there's a framework now to level the playing field, which never existed before. So with the sophisticated AI technology, as long as we stay ahead of things, we will have an opportunity to stay ahead, which means that we won't have the level of evasions that we've had in the past, which was very simplistic. Got it. So hopefully with enough of that emphasis and being able to detect, even if we see some new permutation, you know, every five seconds, we would hope that maybe the the good guys will still have a chance to remain kind of victorious there. I think there's a chance that we'll be able to keep up. Yes. Yeah. In the past, (laughs) There was no chance at all. Yeah. There was really no question that we'd be able now, now we have a fighting chance of keeping up and really preventing these things from getting out of hand. Yep. That's the challenge. And so we're focused on the back end here to make sure that the defenses are always ahead of the game, but at least there's a framework in which we can work to make that happen. Literally fighting fire with fire. It doesn't seem like anybody really has a choice in cybersec. Uh, Naeem, I really do appreciate you being able to share your insights here on AI and industry. Thanks for being with us. 
Thank you. So that's all for this episode of AI and Business. I wanted to wrap up with uh, reading a short review from iTunes. I'm always tuned into the reviews that people leave for us. Sometimes I learn things that I can improve by. Sometimes I learn things that people like and that I should be doing more of. This is a review from Elton Swan. It says, fantastic, listen every week. I can't say enough great things about this podcast. The guests are always top-notch, and the dialogue that you and your guests have on each podcast helps to anticipate interactions with thought leaders and C-suite executives. I can't be selfish. I share your podcast and Emerge website to anyone I can. Keep doing what you're doing. These are the kind of things that really keep us motivated. I'm glad that people like to be informed in a way that makes them competent when it comes to C-level AI conversations. Again, we're never talking about code here, but we are talking about what matters to business people. How do things affect business processes and the bottom line? We like to be the best in the business at doing that. And I'm so glad, Elton, that you were kind enough to leave us a review. If you've listened to this episode, you like what we do here on the AI and Business Podcast, go to iTunes, drop us a five-star review, and let me know what you think of the show. If you're lucky, I might be able to read off your review on the podcast itself. And worst comes to worst, me and the team are going to be reading through them because every single month we do exactly that. So you can just find AI and Business on iTunes. Other than that, be sure to stay tuned for tomorrow. Again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is a three-use case week. And then Thursday, we're going to be covering making the business case. So stay tuned for tomorrow. We'll be swiveling into an entirely different industry and covering new use cases then.